WHOV 88.1 FM welcomes you to the Pastor's Study. The Pastor's Study in any church is a place where the pastor can go to collect his thoughts, study God's Word, and develop ideas and thoughts on what direction the church needs to take. The Pastor's Study is where research is done on various topics. Missions are brought to the forefront and salvation is formed. The Pastor's Study on WHOV is a talk show that allows you, the listener, to come inside and to find out more about the ministers in the area and the good works they are doing across the region, the nation, and the world. Hosted by Pastor Kevin Swan of Ivy Baptist Church in Newport News, the Pastor's Study is now open to the public. So come on in and find out what plans God has for His shepherds and His people. Welcome to the Pastor's Study here on WHOV 88.1 FM. We are living on top of the world. That's Donald Lawrence there. On this beautiful Fat Tuesday, Mardi Gras Tuesday. And uh, we're certainly glad that you are with us uh, once again. If you're just tuning in for the very first time, the Pastor's Study is a show that's designed to talk about relevant issues that affect our community. We have other pastors on the show that we... Uh, talk about and we certainly we encourage you also uh, to call in and offer your perspective no topic is untouched if it's happening in the community more than likely we're going to discuss it at some length before we get started in the show I want to take opportunity to ask uh, the community for prayers for my own family uh, and the passing uh, of my aunt uh, Margaret Lewis, who um, was a graduate here of Hampton University and also um, a longtime booster, uh, tragically, uh, last night after the basketball game here on campus, uh, suffered a massive heart attack and passed away. And so um, we ask your prayers and support uh, during this time. Once again, that's Miss Margaret uh, Lewis, and uh, certainly our family uh, appreciates all of your prayers and concern. Uh, once again, as I said before, it is uh, Fat Tuesday, the Tuesday before Ash Wednesday. And Ash Wednesday is a sacred time that begins the start of the Lenten season in the liturgical calendar. It is the 40-day period that leads up to Good Friday, uh, which leads then to Resurrection Sunday. And as a result, um, we are encouraging. I know many churches are doing different things in the community. But we certainly would like to extend an invitation to you also if you are interested in partnering with us uh, at Ivy Baptist Church. We are doing a period of consecration and prayer of 40 days. Uh, and during that time, there will be a period of fasting as well that we'll be doing. I'll uh, be fasting, praying, and also abstaining from other things. And so for more information, you can visit the website, ivybaptistchurch.org, www.ivybaptistchurch.org. Yes, for more information, certainly about uh, the period of consecration and fasting that will begin on tomorrow. We are certainly believing God to do great things during this time. If your church is doing something similar, certainly we want you to participate in that effort. If you are not affiliated with the church and you want to join in with us, if there are some things in your life that you just need to see removed, if there are some areas where you need God's blessing and deliverance, then certainly we encourage you to again join in with us. Uh, in this 40-day period. In addition to the fasting, we'll be abstaining from other things each week. Uh, this week, we're abstaining from television. Lord, help us. Lord, help us. Giving up the TV this week so that we could spend more quality time with our children and with our family. So that will start on tomorrow. So again, for more information, ivybaptistchurch.org. 
We have in studio with us, as always, uh, my partners in crime, Pastor John Young of Empowered Believers Christian Learning Center. Pastor Young, how are you today, sir? I'm wonderful, bro. Great to be here. Yes, sir. Glad to have you, as always. And uh, how are things in your world? I see you have something coming up uh, on Friday that you want to let us know about. Absolutely. If we could just get uh, anybody who who is available and willing to come out and celebrate our groundbreaking ceremony at uh, 2096 Nickerson Boulevard, Bishop B. Courtney McBath of Calvary Revival uh, Norfolk uh, will be there and presenting the word of God. So we're excited about having that anointed powerhouse come and help us uh, cut the rug. We're excited over at Empower Believers about what God is doing. Amen. So that's this Friday. It's Friday, 7, 7 p.m., uh-huh. 2096 Nickerson Avenue. And for more information or contact, who can they call? They can uh, call the uh, church number for directions or any other specifics they'd like to know, but that uh, is 240-5834. Again, that's 240-5834 at 2096 Nickerson Boulevard. Wonderful. Congratulations on that, Pastor. We're very excited for you. I know the transition um, it, you have shared with us your testimony about the transition, and God has certainly blessed you mightily throughout this process. Absolutely. I've, I've uh, aged about uh, 40 years. I've got about five or six extra gray hairs. Um, <laughs> it's all God worth it, though. It's, Absolutely. It's all worth it. Yes, sir. So, so thank you, sir. little Selsen Blue, I'll be all right. You'll be all right. There yes, you sir. go. There you yes, go. Sir. And uh, Pastor Ray Johnson of Calvary Revival Church Peninsula in Newport News. Pastor Johnson, how are you, sir? All is well, sir. Good to be in the land of the living yet one more again. I know that's right. And you, yeah, you have some things that you are also doing at your church that you want to let us know about? Absolutely. Well, not at the church. Uh, this coming weekend, we're having our first marriage retreat called Walking in Oneness, Living, Loving, and Leading Together. And uh, and I'm pretty excited about it. A lot of our, our saints and, and persons from the community have all registered. So it's going to be at the Williamsburg Hospitality House. And uh, we're going to have a, about two to three good days of just loving on each other, talking about how to lead as one, love as one, and uh, walk together as one. And so my wife and I are excited about it. The CRCP family is excited about it. And we still have a few hotel rooms. And uh, I know I'm getting in trouble right now because my administrators are saying, no, don't tell nobody to call in. But log in online, www.crcpeninsula.org, and you can participate in that. And then next weekend, we have the uh, Peninsula Family Life Symposium that's coming up. I'm very excited about that uh, with the vendors that we have that will be talking about estate planning in the areas of faith, family, and finance. And so estate planning, credit repair, uh, how to buy a home, how to purchase a house. We're going to talk about nutrition, how to eat better and uh, live better, walk better, how to work out better. And so uh, I'm pretty excited about that. And then the faith panel with uh, a host of preachers that will be coming together to talk about the importance of family. So, What time does all of that kick off? All of that begins at uh, for the... Uh, the, the uh, Family Symposium begins at 9, doors open at 9 so that you can uh, take access to the vendors. The event itself will start at 10 and go all the way until 3. And Dr. Linda Colon from Hampton University is our lunchtime speaker. And so I'm interested to hear what she has to say in regards to the issues of family. Very good. And all of this is free, again, And uh, but yeah. there is a cost for lunch. Cost for lunch is just $10. Just $10 for lunch. You can't go anywhere and get a, bu- a banquet-style lunch for $10. No, you cannot. <laughs> so what's the number? Where, where can they call? They can call 245-1747, 245-1747, or email us at life at org and receive more information about the Peninsula Family Symposium on the 27th which is a Saturday, last Saturday in the month, the 27th. Very good. So lots of things that are going on in the community. Uh, time of fasting, the fellowship service for Pastor Young on Friday at 7 p.m., and the marriage retreat 
as long as, as well as the family symposium with Pastor Johnson. Lots of things going on. We do hope that you take full advantage of these opportunities. I want to jump right in because I know once we normally get into um, the topic, times does really go by kind of quickly. And so I want to give a little bit more time today to the subject. As you all know, uh, this past Sunday was Valentine's Day. And there was lots of money that was spent on uh, cards and candy and balloons and maybe even some jewelry, maybe even dinner. I hope you all took care of your your wife's Valentine's Day. Oh, you're not in the doghouse today, right? Can we, can we say not, that? not in the doghouse. Not, not in the doghouse. Pastor Young, you good? No, I'm good. I'm straight. Good. Okay. Thank I'm you st- for the sweet potato pie, man. <laughs> I'm straight also. So, the, the, I thought what would be good today is to talk about the state of black relationships in our country uh, since you know valentine's day is a day where people are reminded about relationships whether you're single some people tend to be more conscious of the fact that they're single on valentine's day for those who are married you know or for those who whatever the case might be uh we thought it would be good to talk about where are where we are as a people as it relates to relationships and and certainly uh we have some statistics that i want to share with you and as always we want you to call in and offer your perspective on where you see black relationships what's going on in our country is it a good thing bad thing or whatever the case might be but i first want to start off with the stat as it relates to the marital rate in our country for african americans as a whole and this comes from the washington post 2006 and and here was the title of the article the title of the article is is marriage for white people Mm. (laughs) lord have mercy is marriage for white people okay this was written by joy jones sunday march 26 2006 she's african-american um uh, and she wrote the article as it pertains to african-americans and their view of marriage in our country according to this Uh, article it says that the marriage rate for African Americans has been dropping since the 1960s and today we have the lowest marriage rate of any racial group in the United States in 2001 according to the US Census 43.3 percent of black men and 41 percent of black women in America had never been married in contrast to 27.4% and 20.7% respectively for whites. African-American women are the least likely in our society to marry. In the period between 1970 and 2001, the overall marriage rate in the United States declined by 17%, but for blacks it fell by 34%. Now, this is one thing uh, that I don't know if you all realize, and when I saw this, it blew me away. In the article, it said that they were stunned to find out, are y'all ready for this, that a black child was more likely to grow up living with both parents, get this, during slavery than where they are, than where we are today, according to this study. Wow. Black children were more likely to live with their parents during the slavery era (laughs) than today. (laughs) Wow. Somebody help me to understand. Wow. We, we have greater access to education. Sure. We're, we're making more money. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we can afford better quality of living for our family. But, Pastor Young, when you hear that our kids have a, had a better chance of growing up in a two-parent household during slavery era than today, 
and that 43% of black men and 41% of black women have never been married and the rates of marriage fell 17% for whites but 34% for blacks meaning most blacks are delaying getting married not getting married or would rather cohabitate or stay together and have children what does that say um it it says we we probably need to petition god for the 11th commandment thou shalt not shack uh, because <laughs> y'all pray for me please but but I think, you know, what most guys, uh, and, and, you know, this is guys minus the relationship with Jesus Christ, is, you know, why, why uh, buy the cow if you get the milk for free? So is that, I guess that's the question then. Is that the Did mindset? I just call him a cow? I didn't mean that, ladies. No, no, don't, don't this get in is, trouble. This is Pastor Ray Johnson speaking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Is, is that the mindset? I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you think that now we are conditioning or... or teaching our young men that there can be they can be in a relationship without real commitment absolutely and you know um not only do i think it's an indictment on us as as uh, african-american men and fathers but you know um um, I, i venture to say you know that we can't do anything if i can pick on the ladies as well that the ladies don't let us do so i think what our job is to hold a standard and make the ladies understand what their value is uh you're worth more than that and if if that if that gentleman don't want to marry you he doesn't deserve you Pastor Johnson, what do you think? Because it's not just it's not just the men, and but it's also Pastor Young has said. You know, the standards of women perhaps have changed, but there are also some different things that are happening uh, as it relates to African American women uh, having to work, having to raise family, having to do different things that puts them in a different mindset when it comes to marriage. And so, you're doing a family symposium. You're talking about some of these issues. When you heard these statistics. What did you think about? I mean, my heart just just sinks right into the floor. I'm just, you know, and as a father uh, and, and a husband, you know, and, and a husband and father in that in that uh, order, it is just it's beyond me, the, the state that we find ourselves in. And, and yes, women are working. Yes, women are, are earning money. Yes, women are working in jobs. Yes, women are striving and making great strides. But I don't know a woman on the planet who wouldn't prefer uh, to be in a love relationship, committed, monogamous to a man that is willing to take responsibility for her. It doesn't necessarily mean uh, she can't provide for herself. It means that he's willing uh, to become sacrificial in his life toward her and uh, covering her, giving to her, managing her, uh, watching over her, uh, loving her, and uh, giving of himself just as Christ gave, him, gave uh, of himself for the church. And so, um, you know, we applaud the great strides that are being made by women. But if I could just speak for the women that, you know, I can't speak for all women, but the ones that I know, they're looking and are on a search for that man who was going to give of himself uh, to her. And so I think society has done a horrific job in portraying um, black women and black men today and the state of the family. We, we, there are some things that we've got to do ourselves, and then there are some things we've got to do to change imagery as well. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And if you're just tuning in, uh, we're talking about relationships in the black community. Uh, there was an article that came out in 2006 that really has sparked the interest of a lot of people by Joy Jones. She wrote it in the Washington Post. You can actually look at it at WashingtonPost.com if you want to see the entire article. But the title of the article is Marriage is for White People. And she has stats that basically wow. uh, would suggest that in the United States Census, 43.3% of black men and 41% of black women in America have never been married. 
Contrast that to 27.4% of white men, 20.7% of white women. African-American women are least likely in our society to marry. In 2001, the overall marriage rate in the U.S. declined overall by 17%. Mm. But for blacks, it declined double the amount by Mm. 34%. Mm. And as we already said, that a black child was more likely to grow up in a two-parent household during slavery than today. Mm. Now, you add that. The, the view of marriage, and then you take that into teenage pregnancy. And this uh, information came from the Guttmacher Institute. Yeah. Um, and this says that black and Hispanic women have the highest teen pregnancy rates of any ethnic group in the United States, mm-hmm. which is 126 per 1,000 women ages one ages 15 to 19. Wow. wow. Whites have the lowest rate, 44 pregnancies per 1,000. So if you add that up, it's almost nearly triple mm-hmm. the amount for African-American girls who are teens that will have children uh, as opposed to white teens. The, pres- the pregnancy rate among black teens, um, uh, 82% of teen pregnancies are unplanned, so they account for one-fifth of all unintended pregnancies. So not only are we not marrying, but our children are having children at an earlier rate, at a higher rate, and somewhere in this, we're thinking that it's okay. Yeah, there. The, the, one of the things that I am just, I am, I am clearly just upset about is, is if you go all the way back to the 1990s, right around 80, 80, 88, 89, 90, uh, when BET decided to come out with the Rabbit Up campaign. And they begin to talk about how contraception was a, was an appropriate means for birth control, rather than training and teaching our young people uh, to remain abstinent until the time in which they uh, they they choose to choose a spouse and choose to come into covenant with each other. Uh, but the science really didn't even talking about didn't spend its time talking about uh, the impact of the usage of condoms on a license, if you will, to continue to engage in premarital sex. Now, on the other side, with your stats, Pastor Swan, I want to add some balance to that. That is not to say. Uh, that uh, young people of other races and cultures are not engaging in premarital sex. They Absolutely are. not. They are. They are engaging. I think the difference is when it comes down to the value system, when it relates to the family, is that what we all understand and know is that our grandmothers and our grandparents and grandfathers um, taught us the dignity of human life. And so we may not have as many abortions at a higher rate as many other races and cultures do. And I would be interested to see what that statistic looks like. Uh, needless to say, however, on the backside of that, we ought to be lifting up the standard of righteousness in regards to covenant and chastity and abstinence. We're not communicating and talking about that in terms of a national conversation, a local conversation, and a family conversation in your house. And I know that there are listeners that are saying, well, kids are just going to do it, kids are just going to do it, kids are just going to do it. But at some point, based on these statistics, if we do not... Uh, begin to lift up a standard of righteousness, we're going to see the continued demise of the African-American community. By 2050, when you hear Dr. Cologne's uh, statistics, when she comes to us at the end of the month, there may not even be any African-American families left anymore if we don't decide to do anything in terms of two parents and children. You're talking about a two-parent household family. Two-parent household family. It may not be anymore. Yeah, so, so Pastor Young, uh, and obviously we want to open up the phone line, 727-5711, 727-5711. What is your take on what we are hearing? Is it just how it is now for today? Is that just the state of our African-American community as it pertains to relationships? 
Pastor Young, we're, we're seeing this. Uh, you see it in church. You see it in the community. You see um, largely single mothers. You see uh, people with children who are unmarried, um, who are comfortable in that particular arrangement. And so as we keep hearing these things, um, as a pastor, as, as a father, because we have, to, we have to train our own children in how to deal with these things, what, what goes through your mind as you're hearing these things? You know, I, I really feel like, you know, we are at a point where for some reason, especially in the African-American community, it is uncool to be a 25-year-old virgin man. You know, uh, for some reason, uh, we tend to give more license to the ladies in our culture uh, and give them respect for being being virgins at uh, at the early 20s and et cetera. But uh, the 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 issue is, is that I believe that we need to be able to uh, be a greater influence than our culture is on our children. And so oh, I, I think for a 25 year old man to stand up and say, I'm cool, you know, but I love God too much uh, to compromise my relationship with him. And so I'm a virgin and guys not look at him like he's strange or uncool or he can't get no women because he hasn't compromised his relationship with God at a young age. Yeah. And I, and I agree to that. I think the question largely that we have to ask, though, is that we know that sex is sex and regardless of race, it's happening. With all ethnic groups, I guess the question is, when you start looking at these statistics, uh, young black women are three times more likely to have uh, a child out of what, you know, as, as a teen than a white teen. Um, and then you also couple that with African-Americans are less likely to marry. Now, what kind of impact does that have on our children? That's that's the question that has to be asked. And I think that, uh, you know, when you start looking at relationships, have we gotten comfortable with just saying, okay, I don't have to be married. I can just have children and just live my life um, because I'm not expecting anything more than that from you just to be basically a donor. Right. And how how do you tell a child that that, you know, you should get married before you have sex when mama, you had me or daddy, y'all had me and y'all weren't married and you had me at 16 or 17? Absolutely. It's, it's a complex issue. We do want to hear from you. Seven, two, seven, five, seven, one, one state of the black community as it relates to relationships. We do have a caller on the air. Caller, are you there? Yes. Go ahead and state your comment, please. Well, a lot of young people always hear in the church that, you know, you're supposed to be married before you have sex. Um, you hear it, but where in the Bible does it say it? So, you know, you talk to young people all day, and you can say, hey, you're supposed to be uh, married before you have sex. You know, this is what God says. Where does God say it? You know, you say it, but you don't say where it's at. And, you know, a lot of young people don't understand that. Okay. Thank you for the call. We appreciate the time. Uh, she's saying basically you hear, you know what you're supposed to do, but there's, where, where is it in the scriptures to back up what you're saying? You know, and that's, that's the challenge. Well, I, you know, you, you can certainly go to First Thessalonians chapter 4. Um, you can certainly go to First Corinthians chapter 6. Uh, where both of those things, Paul says, all things are possible, but not all things are expedient, and it would not be good under the power of any. And he goes into the whole notion of, um, shall I then, whose spiritual connect myself uh, to that which is unholy? Uh, certainly not, um, because in doing so, we connect ourselves spiritually with something that is ungodly. I mean, there's, there's plenty of verses. I, I think the question is, are we accurately saying, okay, no, you shouldn't do it, and then we should say why 
and back the scriptures up to support what we say. Absolutely. I respect her point. Now, granted, you know, you don't even have to make an 11th commandment for that one uh, because you got, you know, thou shalt not commit fornication. But the thing that I think is that even despite the fact that, you know, you can you can back up what you say with the Bible. I don't think that people are going to say, you know what, because I know where this is in the Bible. I'm, I'm going to stop doing it. Exactly. It just doesn't happen. That exactly. Way. But so so help me to understand then. We have we, we have these issues, and and then I didn't even get to the last part. Let me let me say this. I know we have another caller. Listen to this also. Washington Post that same article: Marriages for white people. Most single black women over the age of thirty, whom I know, would not mind getting married, but acknowledge that the kind of man and the quality of marriage they would like to have may not be likely, and they're not desperate enough to simply accept any situation just to have a man. A number of my married friends complain that taking care of their husbands feels like having an additional child to raise. Then there's the fact that marriage apparently can be hazardous to the health of black women. She puts it out here. Say raising a husband is like raising another child. A recent study by the Institute of American Values uh, indicates that married African-American women are less healthy than their single sisters. So if... <laughs> If you don't have anybody talking positively about marriage, and if you look around and every marriage that you see is struggling and the sister is going through it, then, Pastor Johnson, why would I want to get married? See, and this is a part of the plight of the enemy, Pastor Swan. And when we go all the way back to the, to the 1960s and you start looking at public policy and how uh, what was meant to just be a temporary situation to kind of help families along became a reward for not having a man in the home turned into a value system that, uh, in particular, women from a particular uh, background begin to grab hold to all the way through the 70s and 80s and all well on into the 90s where you end up with two and three and four generations living in certain areas of the country where this value now becomes a part of the very fabric of how we live. What 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 we refuse to deal with is is that it is critically important that every child uh, have two parents in the household. So this turns into a mentorship piece. So we haven't raised young men to be responsible and to operate with integrity and to really care for and tend to and lead families. So when the comp when the when the article suggests that you know dealing with a black man in, in, in a home environment is like raising another child, you've got two and three generations of homeless uh, uh, fathers or young men who've grown up without fathers so that mentoring and nurturing aspect has not happened in their lives and so so they creates, don't know how to they don't do even it. know how to do it so they don't know. Th there's got to be a there, there's got to be we start talking about marriage it becomes so problematic because you've got to teach men first how uh, to be responsible and operate with integrity and you've got to do the same thing with women and then what does that mean in terms of the two of you operating together on one accord in that family environment so we've got a whole lot of ground to make up. Yes, we do. Phone lines are jumping. 727-5711. We do want to hear from you. We do have another caller on the air. Caller, are you there? Yes, I am. Go ahead and state your comment, please. Yeah, I would just say that um, you get what you settle for, and I think that too often um, black women settle uh, for the man without a job, without an education, uh, and, and that, that's okay. I mean, I, I know many of my family who have settled, you know, for and they are attracted to the thug. You know, when there's a good Christian man out there, you know, trying to do, you know, the best he can, and they're just really not attracted to that. I mean, how many times do you, say, for instance, pull up to the gas station, and, and there's a woman <laughs> pumping the gas, and the man is, is laying back in the seat, you know, and she's out in the cold, it's her car, it's her gas money, My you know, mind. and he's, he's not offering anything, you know, to the relationship, but she 
she's settling for that. And so, you know, when they get pregnant, they're surprised, <laughs> you know, and, and he, he can't, he can't afford her. He can't afford a baby, you know, and it certainly is, it's economic. I mean, we're right now, you know, I think it's, it's 15%, uh, uh unemployment among, among African Americans. So, I mean, it's economic and, and it's, and they're, and they're settling for, uh, men that aren't willing to be men and, and, and willing to take care of, of their, uh, responsibilities. All right. Thank you for the call. We appreciate your time. He said the sisters are settling. Now, let, let me say this. <laughs> let, let me say this. All right. Now, we know more African-American women are going to school than men. Yeah. All right. Let's start there. 12 to 1. So that means if an African-American sister goes and let's say she goes to graduate school. Mm. All right. 20 to 1. That means she's not she's most likely not going to find a, a African-American man in her educational realm. Yeah. Mm hmm. So wouldn't that be defined as settling to some degree? You're going to have to find somebody. And so I guess if if the sisters, and you know, sometimes, let's be honest, sometimes the sisters here, well, my clock is ticking. I got to find, you know, I got to find somebody to get married, have kids. And these are all my options if I want to stay within my race. Then what do you do, Pastor Young? Help me to understand. Well, you know, Pastor Swan, first off, you know, you got educated idiots out there, too. So even even some of the brothers that have gone to school and all that kind of stuff don't necessarily qualify. But the other thing that I think we can't understate is, you know, why can't you have education, love God, and can we just get superficial? They they don't want an ugly brother either. You know, no. So you could be a Christian, love God, and still take care of yourself and present yourself in a way that, you know, hey, you know what? These ladies find you attractive as well. So just like the ladies go and get their hair done and nails did, brothers, get a haircut. Pull your pants up. You know what I'm saying? Let but me see, show you how to tie wings or not. Here's the argument to that. Uh-huh. If if there are more sisters out here that's looking for a brother, right? Then that means, it, and this is what some of the things that the article is suggesting, the brother may feel like he doesn't have to do as much because he knows if if it's a ratio of eight to ten to one, <laughs> right? If four of the sisters don't like what I'm doing, there might be another four who may settle for what I am doing. So why do why then do I need to put forth the effort if? I'm going to find me somebody regardless. Well, see, Pastor Swan, this is what I'm talking about in regards to the standard. Now, and I, I speak very strongly to this because I'm a father that's raising four girls. And so I encourage them all the time to keep the standard high, walk in such a way that you demand and command respect, and do not give in to the pressure. Having just married uh, over the last year, I can't even count the number of marriages that we've done. Some of them have been couples that are well into their 30s because they were patient enough to walk through their 20s until everybody grew up, both male and female. And so it may take time uh, until you get into your 40s, but it is well worth it, like Pastor Young is saying, just because he's college educated and he, he has economic prowess doesn't mean he has the character of integrity, yes, nor has Lord. he been trained and uh, and, and nurtured and developed to understand the the importance of the role of a woman with with a man. And so just because he's educated doesn't mean he's prepared. We talked about that Sunday about you can't yeah. look at numbers. Can't look at that. You got to look at the heart of the person. But I think also what happens now is that if women are in the workforce more, they're better educated. That means in many cases they have their own house, their own car, yeah, their own clothing. So then the man may come into the relationship saying, okay, well, where do I fit in this if she already has a, B, and C. We do have the phone lines jumping. We're going to go ahead and take your calls. Yeah. Continue to call in 727-5711. Caller, are you there? Yes, I am. Go ahead and state your comment, please. 
Yes, I want to go back to the previous statement that you all were making about males um, being virgins. Okay. I have a 19-year-old son that is a virgin, and um, we have this conversation every week and just letting him know, know that, you know, being pure is nothing wrong with that. And um, very educated young man. He's in school, you know, um, at um, Thomas Nelson um, doing engineering, mechanical engineering. And um, and I just kept, you know, pressing the issue with him, you know, my my husband and I, that it's nothing wrong with being a virgin. And, um, you know, he had issues when he was in high school. You know, all his other friends were dating. And I was just letting him know that dating is for mature people. And um, I don't suggest, you know, in my household, I don't believe in team dating. And um, he had some issues with it, but he understands the importance of that. And, you know, respecting young women, you know, um, you know, I just told him, you know, just make sure you make wise decisions. And anytime in doubt, always come to your parents because they know. And I was not a virgin when I got married, but I'm, I'm trying to set the standard in my household that this is the way that God intended for it to be. And there's nothing wrong with waiting until you get married. No, it is not. And we certainly thank you for the call, and we certainly applaud you for your effort in your parenting because we do, as parents, need to set that responsibility, and it does need to come from the house to say, okay, this is who you are. This is the image that God would have for you, and it is okay. And, yes, you're going to live in a world that that image is contrary to the image of God. You have to be prepared for that. Are we doing enough to prepare our children to understand that, that's a whole nother question. Let me raise another issue because I know the phone lines are coming. We already talked about marriage. We already talked about teen pregnancy. And then, you know, uh, CNN has been doing a Black in America series. Uh, they did a part two recently. And they looked at African Americans and cohabitation. <laughs> that's the big word for the day. And, and that's simply Shacking. living together before marriage. Okay? Now... <laughs> Check out what they said at CNN.com. Uh, they said that couples are at a 50% greater risk of marital disruption if they live together prior to marriage. Sociologists have identified three varieties of premarital co cohabitation, each with its own risk value. To unmarried black and Hispanic partners, cohabitation is often regarded as a legitimate surrogate for marriage especially in lower socioeconomic areas so for those who are living together in certain places in our community they already think and feel in their mind that they are married mm -hmm. however 50 percent of those who end up in these relationships oftentimes don't get married and if they do get married they are much lot more likely to end in divorce mm -hmm. so now we got people that are living who are single, who don't get married in our race, who would rather choose to just say I'm living together. And in the African American, according to this article, the African American's view is if we live together, that's enough. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's enough. Mm -hmm. That equates to marriage. Whereas the article suggests in other ethnic groups, uh, for whites, for example, they view it as trial marriage. Not not a substitute for marriage, but they say, okay, this is the trial. We'll see how it works. But for us, living together means, okay, it's a done deal. We don't need to get married because we're living together. I'm going to throw out something controversial here real quick. 
Um, one of the things that I see is that quite frequently people uh, come to their knowledge or their, their acceptance of their relationship with God after uh, they've already started shacking and cohabitating. And the thing that, that I tell people is that, look, you know what, um, people cannot live together and still fornicate. You know, so, you know, you can put eyewash on it and all you've done is put a paint job on a car with a bad engine in terms of your relationship. So you can look the part and stop living together or cohabitating and still go and hook up at each other's house whenever you want. Sure you can. But there is there is without a doubt an emotional issue, particularly for women who choose to enter into a cohabitative relationship because of the risk of giving up so much of yourself. And for it not to work out is particularly devastating among women. Um, and that's, that's what the article is suggesting. Um, even other studies have suggested that for those who cohabitate and it does not work out, they are two to three times more likely to have um, nervous breakdown or other issues, mental issues, because of the fact that when they enter into it, it's a different mindset for a woman than a man. And so, and so that's that's kind of the challenge. And yes, you're absolutely right, Pastor. And whether you're living together or not, if you want to have sex, you're gonna find a way to do it. Absolutely, right? Absolutely. But but what we're saying here is that what what why why is it that in our community that when people choose to li- to live together, they are automatically saying, now, "Okay, this is enough. We don't have to take the next step and do it." the way God would intend, but we can be satisfied with having kids and living together without the full commitment that God would, would honor. And that, that's the point I was going to make a moment ago, how it's a, a lot of times they will come at a financial trap. You know, the enemy will convince them that, you know, we can save money or do this or do that, and it's more practical to do that. So let's save up for the, the, you know, for whatever. But, you know, the point is, is that, you know, you've got to take people where they are and, you know, it's very difficult to counsel some people that have been together for 10 or 15 years uh, married uh, or are not married and have children together to say you know hey you know y'all need to go and and go buy two separate apartments as opposed to you know hey why don't you make a commitment to God right now that you are going to live holy before him you will stop uh, uh, doing whatever displeases God in your relationship and and let's start marital counseling and do this right absolutely right we do we definitely want to hear from you 727 Five seven one one. It, it is an interesting topic today. The state of uh, black love, basically, uh, in in our country. It's it's some startling statistics. If you are just tuning in, certainly you can uh, visit uh, kevinswan.org later on today. We will have this show aired uh, on the website. You can go to kevinswan.org backslash media, and you can listen to the broadcast again today or you can tear, share with your friends to tell them to listen in as well. We have another caller on the air. Caller, are you there? Yes, sir, I am. Dr. Ray J., hello. And uh, Pastor yes, Swan, up, greetings to you, sir. How are you? Uh, i just like to say that uh, in light of this discussion, we have culturally accepted the simple element of cohabitating, or as we call it in the inner city, uh, common law marriage, and uh, without the, the serious commitment. And I am soon to celebrate 21 years with a, a wonderful woman, an awesome, uh, God-fearing woman. And uh, I have the privilege of raising, as we call them, three kings. Um, and uh, I don't have the pain of raising uh, four princesses, as uh, Dr. Ray J does. However, um, we have to set the standard, and we have to kill the demons that have 
haunted our society for so much, so many times. As born again believers, as decent people, as God fearing people, and we have to stick in and stick it out and make it happen and make it work like it's supposed to. We have to learn ourselves. We have to educate ourselves. We have to do everything that's necessary so that we can make sure the demon dies and the demon is not simply transferred. Um, the the notion of living under generational curses has already been addressed in Scripture. So we don't do that, but we do live under generational poor habits uh, that we pick up in our society. And so unless those of us, the remnant that God has placed on this earth, allow ourselves to be the light that is set on the hill for the world to see, then and only then can and true change come. So, And also those of us who have the capacity, particularly as men, uh, who may be surrounded uh, by others. We don't have to be clergy, but just surrounded by others, uh, a single father or a single mother who are going at it on their own, that we avail ourselves, that we take advantage of opportunities to be uh, a catalyst, an asset, so that we could make our situation and our, our environments better. We both have a societal uh, commitment, but more importantly, we have a spiritual commitment so that we could change the face of, of, of our environments and of, and of our communities. Okay, very well said. Thank you for your time. We appreciate the call. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we, we definitely need to start paying more attention and start to educate. And one of the things that, that came out in doing research for this article, Pastors, is that even when Martin Luther King did his I Have a Dream speech, you know, in the late 60s, 70% of African Americans during that time were were married. The ratio was much much higher. So I guess for us who have who have been raised since then, born in the early 70s and and now experiencing this, I'm trying to figure out what what happened uh that now suggests that a man and a woman can be together with with literally no strings attached if they want to have children fine, if they want to live together fine. Where, where did it turn? Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know what's happened, but it certainly has gone worse for us as a people. Mm-hmm. Even though, again, as we said earlier, we're now in a position that we can get more education, we can earn a better living, but our relationships and our values have dropped through the floor. You know, Pastor Swan, I I I try not to be so much of a conspiracy theorist. You know, with everything. Um, but when it comes to this issue, <laughs> I'm just going to speak my mind. Uh, you've got to look at the history of, of our experience here in America. Now, America is a wonderful place, greatest nation on the earth, in my opinion. And uh, it does have some problems that, that are quite problematic. But now we have survived slavery where they would breed African-American men and women, put them together uh, for the purposes of, of uh, developing children to work the fields and those sort of things. That sort of thing, and then there's the introduction of of uh, the embracing of Christianity that provides a social cohesion that binds us together, where we we drive and we live out the adherence of Scripture toward marriage, and we're able to live through Jim Crow, and we're able to live through being uh, paid less, two and three times less than what the normal uh, wage is, and we come through Jim Crow, come through the '60s, and then all of a sudden, with the introduction of these new freedoms that happen to take place, and with social policy that is designed to kind of help people get a, a leg up, but then there's a reward for not being married and not having a man in the home where there's a reduction of the amount of money that you receive um, 
uh, when it comes to tending to your household for not being married, uh, the understanding is, well, I'm better off without him. And then there, there, there comes, uh, as a result of that, consequently, now we have uh, children who are uh, brought into the earth, not mentored, not developed, don't have the benefit of seeing uh, what God intended of one man and one woman together working this thing out. And you have generations of that, uh, as, the, as the previous caller mentioned, that now develops habits of bad mentorship and habits of bad living. And then don't forget Woodstock and the 70s and the free love movement. And let's not forget uh, Huggy Bear and all of that in terms of what the, the pimp player hustler mentality did to us as well, which flipped into gangster stuff. So, I mean, this stuff is, I mean, I try not to do, you know, conspiracy stuff, Pastor Young, but Satan is busy. He, he busy. He is busy. <laughs> <laughs> he, went, he went huggy bear. Yeah. <laughs> he went huggy I'm bear. I'm a hustler, baby. <laughs> we we got to take a call on that one. He, he went huggy bear. Wow. Caller, are you there? Yes, I am. Go ahead and state your comment. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm blessed. State your comment. I just wanted to, you know, let you know what I have observed in my own family as a Christian woman and what my nieces are doing in this generation. They have got complex and watching and seeing what the older women in the family have done with raising kids by themselves. So they think it's not, I'm not going to say okay, but they have got, you know, comfortable with thinking it is okay to raise their children by themselves. So what we're doing you know, in my family is where every Friday once a month, the women of, of God are getting together, and we're praying that God will break that generational curse, you know, for them to think that it's okay to raise these kids by yourself, and it's okay not to have a husband, you know. But it, what we have observed is that they have seen the older women do it, so they think it's okay, you know, but it's not okay because in the eyes of God, he made Adam and Eve, and he made, you know, them to be as one. And it takes a village to raise a child, not just, you know, the woman on her own. Yes, it does. And we appreciate so, we appreciate the call. We're, we're running out of time. Thank you for okay, your time. Okay, okay. Thank you for taking my call. Absolutely. And, and one of the things that we have to know, we have to say this, is that um, that notion of what she just said, the mindset of the woman, and, and, I, and I've said this, and my wife and I, we've had these discussions, Back in the day, women didn't typically work. They were basically in the home, domestic provider, took care of everything while the, while the husband went out and, and was the breadwinner. In this day and time, you have more women, African-American women, that are working, maybe by necessity, mm -hmm. maybe because they want to advance their own career. So in certain instances, you have people who are delaying marriage because they want to see their career get on track first. But also what you're seeing now is the thought, and I want to raise this point. If a sister says, okay, I have these kids, and, and I'm in a three-bedroom house, and I'm, and I'm straight, and I'm driving a car, and I'm, and I'm living, do I need to go through? And I've seen all these other people in marriage who are suffering. Why would I want to put myself in that if I know I can handle my business on my own? And I think that's a question that we, we have to raise because wives now, African-American women typically, are out there hustling, making it, taking care of the kids, taking care of themselves. So why, why would a sister want to be in a relationship that's going to cause her, uh, as, as the article would suggest, the African-American women who are married are typically less healthier 
than, than a single <laughs> That's sister. Off the chain. Why? Why would a woman want to get married? Nobody in their right mind would want to do something that's going uh, cause, cause them to, pain. Cause them pain. So. I mean, that's just... So how do we begin as pastors? Now, all three of us are pastors. Do we begin to say, listen, yes, you could do it on your own, but that's that's really not the design. But then if you're going to ask them to trust in a man and a man is not willing to step up and be who God's called him to be, yeah. then why would we want a woman to settle for something that's less than what God would have for her? First of all, Pastor, Juan, Pastor Swan, I don't think that any woman should settle. She should not settle. She should live and hold to the standard. I encourage women to uh, to to be very progressive in their careers, their education, uh, property and asset accumulation. Be very progressive in all of those things. But what I what I want to say about this is is that particularly as pastors and churches and ministries in general, nonprofits, community organizations, we've got to take marriage seriously. What I say is this, there is nothing wrong with the institution of marriage. It is God's design. It is from Genesis to Revelation. <laughs> we need a revolution with it in terms of the scripture. But now the deal is, is that what's wrong is people. We've got to prepare people uh, to live a Christ-like life, to have their hearts prepared to dwell with one another in communion in this context of matrimony. But let me say this. So we've I, got to prepare people. And I understand that. And we, get them ready. And we're almost out of time. But let me say this. Even, even outside of the, the church, there used to be a community belief there you go. in marriage. There you go. Whether you went to church or not, you know, back in the day, yeah. somebody got pregnant. You're going to handle your business. You're going to go get married. You're going to get married, take care that, of it. That's just how it was. Yeah. So you had people, even outside of the church, even though they may not have understood all the principles of church and all that kind of thing, right. marriage was held at a much higher regard yeah. than it is now. And the question has to be raised, why, why is it within our own community is marriage seemingly devalued more so than other ethnic groups? Because it's affecting our children. Let me say this also. There's another article. Um, Princeton University has a uh, daily uh, newsletter that they send out. This was in 2006. One of the things that they said, uh, today, only one-third of black children have two parents in the home. Black children are only half as likely as white children to be living in a two-parent household and are eight times more likely than white children to live with an unwed mother. For black children under the age of six, the most common arrangement, which is 42%, was to live with a never married mother. So you have people who are either cohabitating, they're delaying marriage, not getting married at all, or if they do cohabitate, they see it as being good enough to be married. And now the children that are being born as a result of these relationships have to be confused, Pastor Young, about what marriage is all about. If you're looking in your family, you don't see men primarily, or if you're looking and you're seeing uh, this guy who is not my father and he's not my mother's husband, but he's living with us. How do you? Th what kind of messages does that send to our children, Pastor Young? Right. I mean, I think that's the sermon that families preach. You know, you you know, instead of what you say, they 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 listen to what you demonstrate in the home. And I think because we have so many teen pregnancies, we've got children raising children, and the morals have decreased. Abortion has become a, a valid option. And and we haven't even talked about how all of this is is spilling down into our young people, not even high school. Let's talk about middle school. Some of the suggested sexual acts that our middle school girls are now doing and exposing themselves. We haven't even talked about access to the Internet. We haven't even talked about media portrayal and how all of these things are 
having these images of our young girls and the pressure that they feel to have to perform conspiracy. at an early age. <laughs> C-O-N-spiracy. <laughs> we do have another caller on the air. Caller, are you there? Yes, I am. How are you guys doing today? Doing well. How about yourself? I'm fine. I just wanted to say that I myself am a 35-year-old female, and I'm single, and I'm not married, and I've never been married, and I don't have any kids. But the thing that turns me away from marriage more than anything is the divorce rate in America today alone, black and white community. And seeing young adults getting married at such a young age and going through what they go through is is actually scary for me. I have been engaged before and it didn't work out, but you know, I just look at it as not my calling from God, but the divorce rate alone scares you. Well, listen, I'm glad you called. Let me ask you um why why you're here. Are you are you educated? Did you go to uh college or anything like that? I'm actually in school now. Okay. So in your classes or on the campus or wherever you go, do you see any black men that you find could be in the category of what you would suggest to be marriage material? No. No. So Not for me. Okay, so if you were to, to look for a, a husband, if you, if you were to say, okay, today I, I think I'm ready to start looking at getting married, where, where, do, where would you even begin to start looking. Well, the first place is the singles ministry at the church I attend. So then, um, so now the singles ministry becomes a dating Not to say, I know a dating it's service. to help me, right. <laughs> it's to help me to get closer I'm with to you, God sis. It should be the hookup spot. A physical man, but I'm just saying, you know, that would be the first place I would That's where you would to look. look because I'm looking for a God-fearing man. Okay, all right. So, d for you then, does his background as far as education matter? Does his job experience, salary, does that matter um, when you when you're talking about the fear of divorce rate? Does those do those things factor into your decision? To an extent, yes, and to an extent, no. Being that because someone is down today doesn't mean that they're going to be down tomorrow, because most jobs now try to pull away from education because they don't want to pay those higher salaries and they go based on experience. But I I would say McDonald's or something like that would probably scare me away because I'm looking for someone to help me and not take care of me. You know, I, I raised that point Sunday in service about the sister who drives right past the drive through because <laughs> the brother at McDonald's gets no love because he, he, he's viewed not, you know, he could be handling his business, he could be the one, but he might not, because of where he's working, he might be viewed entirely differently <laughs> than a brother who uh, could be horrible for the sister, but maybe he's doing some things that can justify his income. But anyway, I want to thank you for the call. I appreciate your time. Thank you. All right. 35, never been married, scared to get married. Can I just say that sure. that is almost like the 19-year-old virgin in some circles because, you know, a lot of times, you know, if you're 35, you have no children and, and you've never been married, then people start to say, at least the, the other sisters, whether they verbalize it or not, it's almost like that's the woman, what's wrong with her, you know, and her clock is ticking and there there's some pressure to compromise right there. There is pressure, pressure from family members, 
from friends. But my thing is this: if why why am I being pressured if you are struggling? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? What you, try, you trying to get me to jump off a bridge with you? I mean, you know, if it, it should all happen in, in due time. We do have another caller. Caller, are you there? Yeah. Go ahead and state your comment quickly, please. All right. I'm just saying, I would say that I think it all boils down to economics, man. You know, back, like you were saying, I, I, I really enjoy what you were saying when you were saying um, back in Martin Luther King days, you know, we were more unified. We were more focused on coming together, things of that nature. But, you know, as time progresses uh, with welfare and then you had the pimp era, you had the gangster era. But black men in general, economics, man, it, it broke us down. So, so, now we're, so, so, you, so you're saying that economically black men aren't able to bring more to the table? Or is, is that what you're suggesting? That's part of it. You know, with sisters doing better than black men, it makes the household sometimes hard you know, the function, the way it should, not making an excuse for black men. But what I'm saying uh-huh. is economics has a lot to do with marriage, um, not being, uh, not coming together like it should. Okay. Appreciate the call. Thank you for your time. Let's quickly talk about that. We're almost out of time. You know, he's suggesting that because sisters are making more money, maybe the the roles mm-hmm. And how they were traditionally defined even a generation ago maybe are not defined that way today. And because sisters are going out making money, perhaps in some cases more money than than the husband, it may change the game in the in the marriage. It has, but it should not because the whole idea of marriage is that uh, for the role of the man is that area of really spiritual leadership, conditioning and raising and nurturing children and nurturing uh, and walking and managing and loving the heart of the wife. And so we shouldn't add money into that. That is a thing. That's something that is intrinsic to you as a man in terms of your ability to be able to be the priest of your home but hold on, and the Pastor. first lover. But hold on. The, the, the female that called in 35, she did say. Yeah. If the brother's at McDonald's, I'm passing by. That's a value that we've okay. picked up from so, American culture. So, but the reality is, I got you. Money matters. It does. Let, let's let's be honest. It does. It, it matters. And so, do you think then that that brothers, if they don't have or they're not where they need to be, maybe you know they look at again, as I said before, when you when you step to a, you step to a female, you don't have any. Yeah, thing to bring to the table at the level of what she already has. But if you're sure about you as a man, and if you, if can I just put it in vernacular terms? No, we ain't got vernacular. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Game recognized game. So if your game is tight, and you know how to talk to her, you know how to love her, you know how to be with her. I've married so many couples this year where the woman is doing better economically than the man, but because. The brother understood who he was, and we talked to him about how to keep his game tight. He was able to wrestle that sister down and be in that love relationship with her, and now they happily married, and everything is copacetic, and it's all right. So it's a pride issue, what you're saying. That's what I'm saying. you got to have your game together. All right. So, again, Pastor Young, where do, where do we go from here? Uh, obviously, the, the statistics are alarming very quickly, uh, and we want to thank Kevin Moose Anderson, he's given us just a little bit more time. Uh, so if there's any one final call that we want to have today, um, we want to uh, certainly get that call in. If you happen to miss some of the show, you can listen to it uh, in its entirety on the website, www.kevinswan.org backslash media. It will be up later on today. Let me say these stats real quick, Pastor Young, and then you tell me what you think. First of all, 
uh, as it relates to teen pregnancy, black and Hispanic women have the highest teen pregnancy rates of any ethnic group. For black women, it's black teens, 126 pregnancies per 1,000 women ages 15 to 19, compared to whites only have 44 per 1,000. That's almost triple the rate. Um, we also know that 82% of teen pregnancies are unplanned. So these, these events are happening. The marriage rate for African-Americans has been dropping since the 1960s, and today African-Americans has the lowest marriage rate of any racial group in the United States. U.S. Census 2001, 43.3% of black men and 41% of black women in America have never been married, in contrast to 27% for white men and 20.7% of white women. African-American women are the least likely in our society to get married. My goodness. And we also said that we were stunned to hear that a black child was more likely to grow up living without living with both parents during slavery than they would be able to live with both parents in our culture today. Just hearing that alone. Some of the major problems that we can say, it could be working mothers, unmarried couples living together, out-of-wedlock births, birth control, divorce, and remarriage have transformed the social landscape. And that, all of that came out of the article 2006, Marriage is for White People. <laughs> and the argument was, um, and if you read the article in its entirety, the author went into the classroom and sat down with some kids, and this is what the kids said. Wow. Because they were living in homes where the parents, whether if there were two people in the home, they were not married. They were just living together. And when she asked, well, how come that's the case? The kids said wow. marriage is for white people. Oh, my gracious. Pastor Young, what, what, give us some of your final thoughts as we get out of here. Yeah. You know, I guess the summary for me, uh, and especially when you deal with the, uh, the uh, subject of money, is that a lot of times the nerds in school that couldn't get anybody, fast forward 20 years later, uh, they have all the girls. Because what it boils down to is that, um, you know, if you call, you know, uh, and, and you get, look into a realistic world, people, uh, money does matter. And it, it maybe shouldn't as much as it does, but it, it, it really does. And I've seen that the guys that uh, are putting forth the best careers or the, the guys that are, have the best plan and taking care of themselves, they get the best girls. That's just the way it works. And the truth is, in the African-American community, there are fewer and fewer of us as uh, African-American men that are stepping up to the plate and saying, look, you know what? I am. I, I understand how to treat a woman like a queen, but in order uh, to treat a woman like a queen, you've got to have a kingdom. You've got to be a king. You've got to know how to wear the crown. And uh, I really believe that we are becoming a endangered species. So who's at fault then? There are several, perhaps, places we could point fingers. But who, who do you think is at fault in not holding our men more accountable, not raising them to be responsible? I have to, I have to, the ladies ain't going to like this, but ladies, don't let us compromise. You know, um, you are supposed to be the ones that, that, you know, as much as men are supposed to be providers and protectors, you are the ones that are supposed to, to nurture us, to encourage us, to, to inspire us, to be the men that we uh, 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 were called to be. And if you settle, then our, uh, you know, then there's no reason to drive. There's no reason to push forward. If we can get who we want without doing what we need to do, then what is the incentive uh, to move forward and try to advance ourselves? So then... 
if you're telling me I'm, I'm female, 35 and single, like the caller called in, and I shouldn't settle, then the question is, am I going to be prepared to spend the rest of my life alone? Is that what, you, is that what you're suggesting? Because what if I never find somebody that's on my level? Can I be, can I be satisfied? We, we have to run. I want to thank. We'll have to pick this up next week. We'll, we'll do that. We'll pick this up next week. I want to thank Kevin Moose Anderson for giving us the extended time. Uh, don't forget, 40-day uh, fast, ivybaptistchurch.org. And tonight we'll be fellowshipping with Gethsemane Baptist Church in Newport News. On behalf of Pastor John Young, Pastor Raymond Johnson, this is Pastor Kevin Swan. Until next week, be blessed and be a blessing to someone else. Take care.